coming up on Your Best Life. I'm going to get into life. I'm going to get excited about all the things that God has got for me about living for Christ. I'm going to let the fire burn on the inside in Jesus' Name. Welcome to another message by Pastor Phil Pringle, leader of C3 Church. We are praying that this message will bless you and help you live your best life. For more information about Pastor Phil and C3, please visit myc3church.net. Hi friends, I am so excited about our new album, Only Love. You can download it on iTunes. It is fantastic. I've found this has such a buoyant effect on my soul. When I'm listening to this music, it lifts me, it helps me worship God. And I'm telling you, during the day when I'm not even listening to the music, those songs keep singing themselves on the inside of my heart. I know you're gonna love this great album, Only Love from C3 Church. Today's message is about hungering and thirsting, and uh, I'm excited about sharing this because, I don't know, it, it, it is uh, such an unfortunate thing, especially when you meet young people. You say, uh, let's do this, and they go, whatever, and they got this so-so attitude, this like ap- apathetic thing going on, and not all of them are like that, obviously, but... It seems to me like the, the, the ultimate criteria for whether a thing is good or bad these days is whether it's boring or fun. And, and so often, people are looking for stimulus from the outside to actually make their life work and get excited. So whether it's a stimulant that we swallow or some entertainment style thing or whatever. But I'd like you to know today, Jesus has an answer for you and I so that 24-7, you and I can have a bubbling fountain of celebration life going on on the inside of us. And so in Matthew 5, verse 6, in this series that we're doing called The Beautiful Attitudes, this is number three, and it's talking about hungering and thirsting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What we desire defines us. The things that we're hungry for, the appetite that we've got for whatever in life defines the kind of people we are. Once upon a time, we were hungry and thirsty for unrighteousness, for things that weren't pure, for things that you know, we think uh, we're gonna get pleasure from, but they really are gonna destroy your life. If you're hungry and thirsty just to take a lot of drugs, you're eventually gonna destroy your life. Hungry and thirsty for a certain lifestyle that's not right, it's eventually gonna have a kickback on you that doesn't do you good. But Jesus said, this will not destroy you. This is blessing. He says, blessed are those. And you will get blessed if you have a hunger and a thirst for the right stuff. 
And that hunger and thirst desire is transformed in our lives when we are born again. When Christ comes into your life, one of the, the signs is that what you once hungered for, you no longer have an appetite for, and what you once rejected and never wanted to have anything to do with, you actually now want in your life. This hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it could, you know, when I read that, the word righteousness has a lot of meanings in some people's minds. It can seem like, oh, it's just a moral code, like a rule book of do's and don'ts that you're not allowed to do this and you're only allowed to do that and you can't do this anymore and you've got to leave that alone. And, and when we start to think like that, we've missed the point of what being a believer is. That's the Old Testament mindset. A book, of, a book of rules that, that nobody could keep. The New Testament is all about receiving Jesus Christ into your life, a living person and the power of the Holy Spirit. When He gets in there, He generates in you an entirely new set of attitudes, an entirely new mindset, an entirely new destiny starts to come on the inside and that is what you get filled with. You get this fullness of life. And everybody wants a full life. They, want, they don't want an empty life. They want their life to mean something, to actually have this fullness coming into them. And that word that Jesus says there, it, it, it echoes of another statement that He made in John 7, 37, where He says, if you're on, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And, and all of us have this thirst in our lives for more of something. I mean, it's, it's like this, it's very rare that you find people say, oh, I'm so thirsty for less. I'm so thirsty to be empty. I'm just so hungry to have a, a little life and to not go forward anymore. All of us have that impatience. We want to move forward. Even at the stoplights, you're tapping the wheel, you know. Somebody waits for two minutes or two seconds after the light's gone green, you know. Well, not you, of course, other people. But you want to move forward. You want things to be something else. And that, that passion on the inside of you is something that God wants to put within us. And Jesus says, when you have this thirst for you, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's really important to understand because sometimes we have this casual attitude about God and what he, how He's going to move in our lives. We, we have this kind of, well, if God wants to touch me, you know, I'm here, here I am. He can come and touch me when He's ready. It's, but it doesn't work like that. He doesn't come to a casual heart. It's when you have a, a thirst on the inside. You want God. You want life. You want the, the wonder and the celebration of what God's got for you. And, and it when you get that passion on the inside, Jesus said you will be baptised in the Holy Spirit and with fire. In, in Matthew 3.11, check this out. Jesus will baptise you. And that's immersion. That's not sprinkling. That's immersion. You are immersed in the Holy Spirit and you're immersed in fire. That second part is something you don't hear a lot about. You hear about, you know, getting baptised in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming on. You have fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. But there's something else that, that Jesus says here. You're going to get fire on the inside of you. I got born again 46 years ago, 45 years ago. Same night as my wife, who was then my girlfriend. 
They took me out the back, prayed for me. And I, right at that moment, I didn't know anything about God. Didn't know anything about Jesus. Didn't know that God and Jesus were relatives. And suddenly this fire comes on me and it has never gone out. 45 years, just burn. I don't know where it burns on your head and your spirit, but I've got this, this fire within. And, and, and people say, where do you get your energy from? Like what you do? Like last week I was in Singapore, Tuesday night I was in Melbourne. Last night, yesterday I was in Tasmania and these are preaching at conferences and, 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 and I'm here this morning at the chapel service. I'm here now. I'm feeling more on fire now than I was at the start of the week. If you, if you yeah, if you feed the fire, it's not like you get worn out. You feel a little weary every now and then physically, but still on the inside, there's this, there's this passion. And if you haven't got that, then something's put it out. And if you haven't got it, it maybe it's never come. And at the end of the service, you'll have a chance to say, hey, that's what I want. I want a passion for life. I watched a video this last week, uh, which said it was, it was a scientific discovery about the biological advantage of wonderment. It's a secular, it's got nothing to do with God, but people who are, who are full of wonder and amazement at the universe and at creation are healthier, are biologically better off than people who are in the, you know, whatever, kind of attitude, bored with life. And you can switch this on. You can find that fire on the inside of you and actually get out of that life that you're feeling you're dragging through it and it's boring. There are things that put this fire out. One of them is discouragement. If you're hanging around people who pull you down, get out of there. There's, you know, I think everybody's walking around with a bucket of water and a bucket of petrol. And you just need to make sure that you're pouring the right stuff on people. When you meet somebody who's on fire, pour petrol on them. They'll get more on fire. Don't go, don't bring out your water bucket and say, oh, when you calm down and become a mature Christian, you know, after a few years, it'll all start to, you know, wear on you too, just like I. Yeah. You'll become boring and dead just like the others. You know. I could point you in other directions where that might be a reality, but not here in C3 at Oxford Falls. You better make sure you're gonna say, hey, keep me on fire, pastor. Don't let me, and listen, on the other hand, on the other hand, don't hang out with the people who are gonna pour water on you, but do hang out with the people who fire you up. Hang out with the, the people who, who are the coals in the fire. I've watched this so many times, been a pastor for a long time. As the first sign of people losing their fire and wandering away from Jesus is dislocation. That's the first sign. That, because you, you have a coal fire and you're around there, you're getting warm. One coal falls out of the fire. Within seconds, it's gone cold. It's, a, it's just amazing to me that if you put it back in there, it warms up again. When you, we're all together, we fire up. There's just something about hot coals hanging out together. This last week, I read about geese. You know that V formation they fly in? They save 70% of their energy 
by flying in a V formation. When they migrate, they haven't got enough body fat to get to the destination. If they don't fly in formation, they're gonna fall out of the sky because they'll run out of energy. We're better together, people. Amen. And better together means I turn up. I know, God bless you who are watching online, and I know you're feeling like this is, a, I, I couldn't get down to church, but next week you can, amen. Next week you can, and come and sit with us and feel the fire, because sitting on your own, you can hear the message, and you can understand the teaching, say, yeah, that's good, I feel a bit inspired, but to actually get fire burning on the inside, we gotta burn like a coal and fly like a geese. In Jesus' Name. Isn't that right, James? McFarlane. The fuel, the fire stays alive because you keep on putting fire on it. There's a proverb that says, gossip ceases like when you don't add wood to a fire. That's true. If you've got a fire of gossip and you add to it, it just fires up. Don't add more fuel to that fire. But there are some fires that you need to add fuel to. Chris and I sit out on in the winter around our balcony around a, I don't know what they call it, Shimmera or something. It's a Mexican fireplace. And, uh, and you throw in the wood and I blow on it, do my little Indian number. And, uh, and it, it, I mean, it roars. It's amazing. But I've learned that there's no point in waiting until it dies down and then put the wood on. I need to put wood on while it's firing. So the next piece of wood really picks up on the fire. When you're on fire, don't think, oh, I'm good now. No. Actually, keep putting the wood on the fire, getting to presence, getting to church, getting to all. I mean, just when you're there, you're not in something that's dampening the fire, that's putting the fire out. Apathy would be the saddest condition that, that happens in people's worlds. And I got a couple of very obscure scriptures that I wanna share with you out of Jeremiah 48, verse 11. It says, Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs. That sounds disgusting, doesn't it? He has settled on his dregs. He's just settled down. It says, and he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. He's sour. Wine retained its sweetness because they would pour it from vessel to vessel and it would leave the sediment, the stuff that soured the wine in the bottom. And so this guy was just sour because he would not accept change. He would not accept being poured into another vessel. He wouldn't accept adjustment or making little changes to his lifestyle. So things like making the commitment to be in the house, to warm up the coals, to actually make some commitment to prayer and to fanning that flame on the inside, he didn't do it. And so he's, he just stayed in that sour place. Here's another one, Hosea 7 verse 8. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a half-baked cake. He's a cake unturned. It's like he got, he got on fire for a while, but then he mixed it up with a whole bunch of other, and it diluted the fire. It just became half-cooked. And, and Jesus said, I don't, I don't like the halfway stuff. I want hot or cold. This is really, really doesn't do me any good. You know, like, you know, like when you've, you've poured a cup of tea and you get caught on the phone and you go back to the cup of tea and, you, and it's gone lukewarm. Oh, you're just like, or you get in the shower and, and if you've got a lot of daughters, 
you never get into hot water, right? Yeah, it's like you jump in the shower and, and you, try, you turn the hot onto the full on of this tepid little, you don't even want it, and it's kind of cold. You think, oh, I don't want this. Or you get in a bath. Like when I was a kid, my parents still had the depression days thinking. We all used the same bath water. The youngest got the last. You know, and it's kind of greasy on the top. In England, they do the babies at the end. And that's why the saying comes, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you couldn't see the baby down underneath the the dirty old bathwater. They only bath once a year, you know, and so things got a little grubby. But I'd get in that bath and, oh, it wasn't hot. It was greasy and and, and not pleasant. That's what Jesus said, hey, like the half-baked thing, not into it. And uh, fully baked. Amen. I'm a fully baked person. Praise Jesus. The person that, uh, that I think of when I, when I consider enthusiasm and passion, and by the way, enthusiasm comes from the word entheo, which means in God. Enthusiasm. You look it up in your Oxford Dictionary, enthusiasm, and right next to it, Mark Saundercock. There it is, right there. And I've known Mark for years and years and years, ever since he was born again. Same fire. Know my wife all that time. Well, most of that time I've known her, you know. And we get along extremely well. And uh, she has that fire. You see it in her? I watched the 30-year anniversary video yesterday. Found it quite moving. Don't like being too vulnerable, but I cried. And, uh, and so watching that, but it was amazing. You should watch it. 30-year video of anniversary of our church and all the things that have happened over those years. There's all these young guys. It was when Greg French had hair. Yeah, this, this curly, curly locks. And I won't talk about anybody else, of course, Scott. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you were there with your, you had a mullet. Malay. Malay, I'm sorry. <laughs> a Malay. Hartley Taylor was there in Brookvale, for goodness sake. He must have been like 12. And uh, all these people have journeyed over the years. And then you see how many churches there are that have come out of all that place. Just an astonishing thing. But you know, that the person I think of, when I think of passion and enthusiasm, somebody in God, I think of David, King David. Psalm 42 verse 1, he wrote this, As the deer pants... For the water brooks. So my, pant, my soul pants for you, O oh God. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. Like, I haven't read the Bible for a day or two. I, I just got to make it a moment where I read it. You're panting on the inside. I saw a survey recently of, of Christians in the, in the USA. And it said 30% of the believers had never read the Bible. They had a Bible, but they didn't read it. And 70% had read it once in the last week. I think for you to keep that fire alive, the Word of God has got to get inside of us. And there needs to be, if you love God, you'll love Him speaking to you. I don't know how you can, you can, you can never, I mean, loving somebody, you've got to have communication. Spending time with Him. It'll, it'll solve so many issues and challenges just for you to get alone with Him as the deer pants for the water brooks. So my... 
So Psalm 63 verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. I love that. That is, I mean, it's not just early in the morning. It's early in the decision. Don't ask whether you should marry her on the wedding day. Lord, what do you think about this? Uh, now it's a little late. Go way back. Lord, what do you think? And it's scary saying that stuff because you don't know what he's going to say. But that's called surrender. That's called, you got my best interest at heart, Lord, I trust you. You are a good God who, who cares about, about going into partnership in that business. You don't ask on the day that you sign the contract, what do you think about this, Lord? Ask on the, on the, in the pro, early. Be early in the beginning of, what about this direction, Lord? I just, and give time for God to distill some guidance on the inside. Early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I'm in more services uh, than, than any. Oh, how about that saying of Kenny? There's a smell down here that's going to outlast religion. It's like, <laughs> do you remember that saying? It was amazing. One of the funniest statements in Australian comedy history here. But it's like, I don't know what made me thought of that, but it's like, I'm in a lot of different religious church services. But I still am excited about being here and worshiping. It's not like it wears off. It's not like, oh, one day I'm just gonna get bored with it all. And whatever, I think I'll leave, leave that. I, when I think about coming to church, seeing you, sharing the Word of God, hanging out with people, even if I'm not, I, I can feel an excitement, especially about worshiping and entering in. This guy's saying, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. In Psalm 84, two, my soul longs. Yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This is called hunger and thirst. What Jesus is saying, this person is blessed. If they have a hunger and a thirst. If you used to have that and it's gone, somebody poured water on it, or you got mixed up with things that diluted it, I'm believing that here we could light the fire again. I'm like a holy pyromaniac. I want to start fires in your spirit. I want to get you on fire. I want to get you with some passion and excitement and enthusiasm about life. And if there have been things that have come along and just killed it, sometimes it can be healing, it can be Deliverance, it can be anything, but right here in this meeting, in about 10 minutes time, we're gonna pray. And I know that that fire will ignite on the inside of you. And just a fresh passion for God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, this guy, David, who wrote that says, I, I really want you, God. He replaced a king called Saul. Saul didn't love God. He didn't really care about God much. He lived a reasonably good life. In fact, David seems to have done more bad things than Saul. But David had a heart for God. And he always repented and got it right. But Saul didn't want God. He loved the crown. He loved the throne. He loved all the wealth. And so when David replaced him and became king, the first thing, the first thing David says is, I'm gonna get God back into the system. I'm gonna get God into government. I'm gonna get God into our nation. I'm gonna get God into our family. And for them, that meant 
getting this ark, the, which, which symbolized and actually attracted the actual presence of God. I don't know, I'm not talking about Noah's ark, I'm talking about the ark of a covenant, the Indiana Jones kind, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember that, this golden thing with two angels on top? Okay, that's the ark that David wanted because that had presence with it. So he went down to Kiriath-Urim, which was on the Philistine border, with his army. And he said, okay, come on, let's bring up the presence of God back to Jerusalem. He thought the army, a brand new cart with a couple of cows that had never dragged anything behind them before would be suitable for the, for the journey. So they're walking up and they come past a guy called Obed-Edom's house. He's, a, he's from Gath, he's a Gittite. He's a Philistine, he's not a Jewish person. And, and uh, they come to his, his threshing floor, which is muddy and there's ruts in the road and everything. And the cart is wobbling around and one of the helpers called Yuza puts his hands out to steady the ark. And in a second, he dies. He just dies because he's getting casual with God, just thinks he can handle God somehow. And it's, it's, it's an act of irreverence, if you like. And so David gets nervous. He says, whoa, hang on, everybody. We don't quite know what we got here. So he takes that cart and with the ark on it and puts it up in Obadidim's garage next to his tractor, his bulldozer, and just sticks it at the garage, closes the door and goes out and puts a little note on Obed-Edom's back door because it's nightfall. And it just says, whoever is, lives in this house, it's David here. Had a little trouble with the ark. Parked it in your garage. Signed, King David. So in the morning, Obed-Edom comes down from his room, you know, and his wife is singing. Like, he goes, what? She never sings in the morning. She's not a morning person. She's... She, Grumbly, and uh, he comes down, and there she is singing, cooking, cooking bacon and eggs. They could have bacon and eggs. They weren't Jewish, and so he's just <laughs> enjoying a really nice morning breakfast. And the kids are watching The Simpsons. They're happy. They're not fighting. They're normally screaming at each other. He goes, "What? What is happening here? The place feels kind of cool too." He walks out. He says, "I'll go get the eggs." He walks into the chicken shed. All the chickens are smiling. And he picks, he picks up the first one. Under it, there's this mound of eggs, 27 eggs under the first chook. He says, what have you been doing all night? Eggs, next one, 33. He can't believe it. He says, what is happening? He walks out with his basket of eggs. There's corn that he planted three days ago. It's all 10 feet tall, growing up out of the ground. He looks over the other paddock where his sheep are. All the sheep have had triplets overnight. He goes like, what? What is happening? He goes up towards the back door of his house. Here's this little note flapping on the door. He reads, the ark is in the garage. So I'm King David. It's the ark? What's the ark? Goes up there, opens the door, and there it is. Burning swastikas and all those kind of things. He says, wow. And it stayed there for a little, like a month. But David heard about the blessing that was falling on the house of Obed-Edom. So he, he rang him up and he said, hey, I'm coming down to get the ark. Get ready. And so David came down. They put the ark and he said, I'm going to read the Bible as to how you meant to do this. 
which is always a good idea, actually, uh, if everything else fails. Read the Bible. And uh, so he, he's reading this, how you're meant to transport the ark, the presence of God. And, and so he figured, the shoulders of priests, you're meant to carry it like that. So they're walking up and David, he disrobes. He's in his underwear, takes his crown off his throat, and he dances. He gets undignified. He's not cool at all. He says, I am going to get enthusiastic. I am just going to get excited about having God come into our world. So he dances with all, and he knows that enthusiasm pleases God. He knows that being a passionate worshiper, being somebody who's full of wonderment, somebody who's full of excitement about being in his presence, that's what the Lord is looking for. And that's what he's attracted to. So David does this march all the way up to Zion, where he pulls back the flaps of an old tent And it says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. God says, I want to rebuild the tabernacle of David. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's Moses' tabernacle. There's Noah's altar. There's Solomon's temple, Ezekiel's temple, Herod's temple. God says, no, no, none of those. They just shut me in a back room in the Holy of Holies down there. I want to be, I want to be like this out amongst the people. I want David's tabernacle. I want people who are passionate about worship. I want people who are going to be alive and in my presence who are excited about life. I want people who have found the switch and turned it on and said, you know what? I'm going to get into life. I'm going to get excited about all the things that God has got for me about living for Christ. I'm going to let the fire burn on the inside in Jesus' name. And I know this, that As soon as you make a choice to say, that's what I'm going to have an appetite for. That's what I'm, he will draw so close to that. So often our desires take us off in other directions. When I was first born again, I I said, Lord, you know, man, if I I could be a pastor, just be a pastor of a church, that'd be like I died and gone to heaven. But then I thought, oh, maybe I'm not meant to. Maybe that's God's business. Maybe I'm just meant to, you know, whatever do life and if he calls me, then maybe that happens. But I felt a passion. I felt a desire on the inside of me about this. I didn't know if it was right. But then I read this, 1 Timothy 3.1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. I thought, ah, so it's okay for me to desire that. And then I thought, I wanna heal the sick. I wanna, I wanna, and then I, you know, I kind of got a little, is that just my ego? Is that just me wanting to be doing something great? Or I, I, I want to prophesy. I want to move in the power of God, move in the power of the Spirit. I, I wondered about, but then I read this. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And 14 verse 39. Brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. So he is saying, have a passion about doing something for the Lord. Not just, and you can tell what God has called you to because you want it. You have a desire, a love for a thing in your heart. God's not gonna call you to do things that you hate. Some people say, oh, I could never be a public speaker. That's exactly what, probably what God's gonna ask me to do. No, if you hate it, it ain't gonna happen. Some people have a love for Europe. They say, oh, I'd love to go to Europe, you know, and serve the Lord there. But probably God won't send me there. He'll send me to the Amazon to preach to the giant pygmies, you know, whatever. Uh, it's, it's like, 
We think God's just going to be cruel and tease us with desires, but that's not how it works. Some people love helping. Some people, they don't like people much, but they're really good at numbers, figures and whatever. So they're better at administration than being on the front door because they just you know, kind of get freaked out with meeting new people or whatever. We're wired up in so many different ways all amongst us. And all of us have a spiritual gift. All of us have something that God wants to use in this life. And when our passion for God in a general sense is alive, we will find very specifically that call that we've got on our lives to serve in His house and to be a blessing in this world. The meaning of our life is is bundled up inside that desire, inside that passion, inside that love we have. Some people want to help the poor. They're full of mercy and they can't understand. Sometimes we judge others by our own gift. We think, can't understand why these people are only into administration. Why aren't all the Christians doing what we're doing? But it's not like that. We each have unique individual gifts that are in our heart and loves that will motivate us in a particular direction. And you will find that when you do that, that's the sweetest spot you can ever be in. That's called your sweet spot. You've hit the jackpot in life when you're fulfilling the great call of God on your life. And here today, friend, if I could urge you in these last 10 minutes, five minutes, to put your life on the altar again, that's where the fire falls and just say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do what you want me to do. I'd like us all to stand up right now. And if the band could come right here to this, this morning, if you can say, Lord, today, this is me making myself available to you, giving you my life. There's not a greater thing you could do with your life, but to throw it away on Jesus and say, Lord, guide me. Fill me with a fire. Fill me with the Holy Spirit here today. Can we all lift our hands, close our eyes, reach out to God? I'm gonna pray for you, but as I pray, I want you to pray. I want you to use that heavenly language if you have that. I want you to just speak to God wherever you are in this building. Father in heaven, right here, right now, I pray for your touch to fill every heart, to fill every life, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let a new fire burn in every life as we surrender our lives on the altar to You. We ask You, Jesus, let a fresh fire fill our minds, fill our hearts. Let a fresh enthusiasm for life, a fresh wonderment in worship, a fresh hunger for the Word of God, a fresh thirst for the courts of the Lord. That we'd redirect our desires away from those things that draw us away from You. We'd stop desiring those things that are gonna consume us and destroy us. Lord, we start to desire those things that are right. And Lord, we know that we'll experience a fullness, an utter, absolute fullness, pouring into our lives here this morning in Jesus' Name. Let's lift our voices just like a prayer meeting here and seek the Lord for a couple minutes. Lord Jesus, we cry out. Let the power and the anointing of Your mighty presence, of Your Holy Spirit, Lord, a new excitement, a passion. Even if it gets into that world of being a little undignified, Lord, that we would be unafraid, unselfconscious. We think, God, I'm prepared to do anything for You in the Name of Jesus. Lord, we bless You. 
Lord, we praise and we worship and we magnify your holy name, oh God. Forever and ever, let grace, power, and anointing fill this place today. Let's lift our hands, people. Unfold our arms. Stand up on the inside. Worshiping Him, the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory, with a fresh passion for worship. Lord, give us back the heart of worship. Lord, that your presence fills this house. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, let your grace, mercy, life, and power fill this house today. Let your presence fill every heart. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let fresh fire, a new baptism, a new soaking ignite every heart here today in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give the Lord a clap offering and thank Him. Lord, your presence, your power, the grace of God, life of heaven pours into us. Here today, Lord Jesus, give you praise. Amen. Church is a vibrant, contemporary community of people who want to know Jesus more and be equipped to live their best life. We have over 300 churches around the world waiting to welcome you. So find your nearest C3 at c3churchglobal.com. Hi, everybody. Look, I just wanted to take a moment to say a big thank you. I mean, the biggest thank you I can possibly make to all of you who partner with us. You send in contributions and offerings to help us resource people, to bring out podcasts. And in so many different ways, we're able to bring the glorious, the amazing message of Jesus to so many people's lives. And they are transformed. People's lives are literally turned right side up every time. Christ comes into their world. Because you're partnering with us, because you are faithful and because of your generosity, we're able to keep preaching and keep this entire broadcast and communication of the gospel happening all around the world. So once again, thank you. God bless you. I'm praying and believing with you for an abundance to be poured into your world and to be blessed in your families, in your homes, in your businesses, at every level, in the mighty name of Jesus.